0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is it just me, or is Hollywood out of ideas? They've been turning books into movies like Gone with the Wind for a long time. They've also turned some good movies into great TV shows like MASH. Now, however, there rarely seems to be an original idea or character. They turn TV shows into movies like Star Trek or Mission Impossible, They turn movies into books, like they did with Star Wars. They even turn old TV shows into new TV shows, like Magnum P.I. and Hawaii Five-O and MacGyver. Admittedly, Hollywood has been doing remakes for a long time. Les Miserables, one of the world's great novels, was first made into a movie in 1917 and was remade in 1934, 1935, 1952, 1978, and 1998. The 1935 version with Frederick Marsh and Charles Lawton is by far the best. Oddly, the story, which doesn't really lend itself to music in my humble opinion, the story was made into a Broadway musical, which, was, which became yet another movie in 2010. Don't see the Frederick March version before you see the musical, or you'll be very disappointed in the musical. So even when Hollywood has an idea... Like turning a classic novel into a musical, it's a bad idea. Those of you who read the e Messenger will probably think that I, too, am out of ideas. Because I want to talk about someone today that I wrote about in the e Messenger a few months ago. I'm talking about Dr. Helen Roosevelt. Born in England, Dr. Rosevier sensed a call to missionary work at the age of 20. I'll go anywhere God wants me to go, whatever the cost, she said. She arrived in the Congo at age 28. There, she founded a training school for nurses, transformed a local maternity and leprosy center into a hospital with 100 beds, added a training school for paramedics, and established 48 rural, rural clinics that served as an oasis because there was no other medical help available for 150 miles in any direction. In 1987, I heard Dr. Rosevier speak at a large Christian mission convention for college students. Her topic was motivation for mission, and her points were very similar to the things our Lord says in today's gospel. She asks the question, what will motivate us to do missions? Let's turn to our gospel in Luke 10. How about the condition of the world? Will that motivate us? Our Lord gives us a picture of the condition of the world in his day. He says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He says he's sending out the 70 two by two as lambs in the midst of wolves. And he tells them that they will not always be received, that they will sometimes need to shake the dust off their feet because people will not listen to them. None of that seems very motivating, does it? You'll be overworked, you'll be attacked, and people won't listen to you. Who's ready to sign up? Well, 70 of them did. And what about the condition of the world today? Is it any better? According to one evangelical missions organization, a little less than 42% of today's population of the world has never heard of a God who created them in his image, who became man and dwelt among them, was crucified, resurrected, and ascended, and who gives his spirit to sustain them and draw them to himself. I think we can still check off that harvest is plentiful and workers are few button as being as true today as it was in our Lord's day. What about the lambs in the midst of wolves? Is that still relevant today? Is the church seen in the world today as an organization that is positive, does good, and helps people? Or do those outside the church look in and see self-righteous hypocrites? Our view is, of course, tainted by our post-Christian American culture. Nonetheless, the United States is still the country with the most Christians, followed by Brazil, Russia, and Mexico. Fifteen nations in the world have Christianity in one form or another as their state religion. With such a presence here and abroad, you might think the world would be a peaceful place, but we know it is not. I think Dr. Roosevelt's question in 1987 is still quite relevant today. Why does the condition of the world not motivate us to Christian mission? If the condition of the world will not motivate us, perhaps the content of the gospel will motivate us, Dr. Rosevear says. In our gospel, our Lord tells the 70 missionaries what to say, and it's two things. Number one is about peace. From verse five, whatever house you enter, first say peace be to this house. Number two is the kingdom of God. From verse nine, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The peace our Lord is talking about, of course, is His peace, the peace of Christ. We pass that peace every Sunday, don't we? At least we pass it to each other. We pass the peace after the confession and absolution of sin. This peace, of course, is the peace that passes all understanding. This peace is not the absence of war with other countries or the absence of strife in our relationships at work and at home. This is peace with God, a peace that was purchased by the blood of our Lord. We are no longer at odds with God. And what is the kingdom of God like? Our New Testament reading from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians gives us a pretty good idea. This kingdom is a place where people help restore others who are, quote, overtaken in a trespass. That is, we try to help our Christian brothers and sisters out of the sin they may be caught up in. We don't look from afar and shake our heads and feel sorry for them we restore them. This kingdom is a place where we bear one another's burdens. In doing this, St. Paul says, we fulfill the law of Christ. The most concrete way around here we bear one another's burdens is the Red Intercessory Prayer Book. It's there at the back of the church every Sunday, and what gets written down today will be published in next week's bulletin. Right here it is. If you leave your bulletin here at church you won't have the list. So before you leave today, at least tear out that page of the bulletin, take it home, and put it on your refrigerator or wherever you'll see it, and more important, pray it several times this week. In this way, we will bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's this kingdom of God that has come near that our Lord sends out 70 people to tell others. St. Paul tells the Galatians that they should do good to all, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The Galatian Christians were too busy fighting about the difference between being an Old Testament Jew and being a New Testament or completed Jew, that is, a Christian. They weren't doing good to each other, let alone to all. The kingdom that has come near, however, is a bunch of do-gooders. In a good way, we are do-gooders, right? St. Paul says in verse 15, What counts is a new creation. The old way is to do good for ourselves. The new way is to do good for others. The last part of the message that Jesus sends out the 70 with is there at the beginning of verse 9, heal the sick. That too is where the red intercessory prayer book comes in, isn't it? Most of the people listed need healing, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. That's what Jesus sent the 70 out to say and to do. Is that a good message? It's a great message. Who wouldn't want to hear it? Who wouldn't want to tell it? Then or now. Yet, Dr. Roosevelt says, the content of the gospel doesn't motivate us, just as the condition of the world doesn't motivate us. What about the command of Christ himself? Is that a motivator? Our Lord sends 70 ahead of him, and he sends them two by two. He tells them, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, and then he tells them to go. Further, he tells them not to take anything with them, no purse, no bag, no sandals. They are to stay with others who are to provide everything they need. This, of course, seems extreme to us, but then a lot of commands of Christ seem extreme to us today, don't they? Or at least inconvenient. I know of no 21st century Christian missionary organization that follows this first century model, the model of taking nothing with them. There were some 100 years ago, but not now. Indeed, missionaries today are not permitted to leave home until they are adequately and properly funded, complete with a retirement plan and an emergency fund in case the area they're going to becomes unstable. We want stable missionaries these days. Not so the early church. Tradition holds that the Apostle Thaddeus went to Edessa in Greece, the Evangelist Mark went to Alexandria in Egypt, St. Peter went to Bithynia in Cappadocia, St. Paul went to Spain, and St. Thomas, doubting Thomas, went to India. According to Dr. Don Fanning, a church historian at Liberty University, it was the second century that saw the most dynamic growth in the church. The Roman road system made travel easy and the Greek language is spoken in more and more places making communication easier. The main opposition at the time was spiritual, not political or practical. The Gnostics who emphasized the spiritual over the material denied it, denied the humanity of our Lord in favor of a higher knowledge. We see this philosophy today in those who will say that they are spiritual but not religious. Writing against the Gnostics in the second century, St. Irenaeus writes, The Word becoming man recapitulates all things in himself, so that just as the Word is foremost in things supercelestial, spiritual, and invisible, so also in things visible and corporal he might have the primacy. Jesus lived a life in the body like one of us, redeeming our humanity through his divine humanity. Irenaeus goes further in saying that Jesus lived through all the stages of man, from birth to infancy, childhood, maturity, old age, and even unto death, thereby sanctifying all the stages of a man's life. Yes, those 70 our Lord sent out in today's gospel were motivated by the command of Christ. And the early church, too, was motivated to go, and to go a long way, not just down the street. The church today? Not so much, it seems. And so in 1987, Dr. Rosevier asked the question, what will motivate us? The condition of the world doesn't motivate us. The content of the gospel doesn't motivate us. Even the command of Christ doesn't motivate us. So what will? Dr. Rosevier says, it is having the mind of Christ. In the words of St. Paul in our epistle, it is the new creation. But wait a minute, you say, we're Episcopalians. We don't do that sort of thing. I know an Episcopal priest who likes to joke that evangelism in the Episcopal Church is that sign you see on the road outside our churches. The Episcopal Church welcomes you. I've observed to some in the Episcopal Church that evangelism means feeding the homeless or providing a place for them to shower. But wait a minute. Didn't our own Becky Gleason go to Honduras a few years ago? And didn't she stay for like a whole year? That seems like missionary work to me. And is it the Anglican Communion, the worldwide Anglican Communion? How did the Church of England get to Nigeria? How did it get to Tokyo? How did it get to India? Well, at one point, you may recall, the sun never set on the British Empire. And where the Brits went, so went the Church of England. A few months ago, when Father Doran was discussing the history of Neshota House, he mentioned that the house was, at the time, on the American frontier. Who was establishing seminaries on the American frontier? Episcopal bishops, that's who. The bishops were the missionaries on the frontier, taking the gospel, establishing Christ's church in new places with new converts and new life. When civil war broke out in the Congo in 1964, all of those facilities that Dr. Helen Roosevelt had established were destroyed. She was imprisoned with nine other missionaries by rebel forces. She was beaten, dragged, and raped. She later pointed to God's goodness despite this tragedy. She writes, through the brutal, heartbreaking experience of rape, God met with me with outstretched arms of love. It was an unbelievable experience. He was so utterly there, so totally understanding. His comfort was so complete. And suddenly I knew, I really knew that his love was unutterably sufficient. He did love me. He did understand. She returned to Africa in 1966 just two years later. This time, producing a 250-bed hospital, maternity ward, training college for doctors, a center for leprosy, and other endeavors. She returned to England in 1973 for health reasons and settled in Northern Ireland. She died in 2016 at the age of 91. Rosevere's obituary was titled A woman of whom the world was not worthy. Yes, God is good. He is not far off and uncaring, indeed. He will meet us today at the altar. As our Lord sent 70 out in our gospel, may he send us out into the world with a gospel message of peace, healing, and a new creation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.